Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your your promises. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you bring. Lord, we thank you for the armor that comes. And uh, Lord, I pray that that as we dive into this series, may we see that our strength uh, lies in you and that uh, you give us incredible gifts to to withstand the attacks that, that come. So Lord, I pray today that your spirit would guide and lead us to see a more full picture of the life that you promise to bring. It's in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite you uh, on your announcement sheet here. There's a lot of space for some notes here today, so if you wanna pull that out, you're welcome to do so and follow along with us here. Uh, This last week was uh, my first week back from having uh, a couple weeks off. And um, I had one of these moments, Gretchen and I had one of these moments where uh, it just was one of those days. You ever had a day like that before? Where it's just like everything that was coming at you is just like, man, this is one of those days where nothing is going as it should. To the point, and raise your hand if you're with me, if you've ever had this happen before, of where it's just comical, where you're just laughing, like, of course, it's not going to make any sense, all right? So here's what happened. I saw this in many different ways this last week, but one way just stood out in particular. Uh, It was early on in the week, and I went out to my car, and my car, I have a 2012 Ford Fusion, Shout out to Ford Fusion, kind of, you'll hear in a second. Uh, Went to turn that on and it didn't start. All right, no big deal. We live in Chicago, it's cold, right? Well, it just so happened that the car was in the garage and we have another car, uh, but we weren't able to get the jumper cables to that car. And so we were just like, all right, fine, we got to call AAA. AAA comes over to my house with their little charging kit. The guy starts it up right away and he tells me as it started, he's like, hey, just want to let you know, it's not your battery, but your alternator's bad. So it's going to cost you a little bit more. And at that moment in time, I'm just like, all right, AAA guy, slow your roll, okay? Didn't realize you were a mechanic here, whatever, you know? And so I'm telling Gretchen, he doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. We just got to let it run for a little bit. Well, I let it run for a little bit, driving around the neighborhood. The next morning comes, my car won't start. And it just so happens that uh, then I'm like, well, let's jump the car. And I go to look for my jumper cables, can't find them. And then uh, finally borrow some jumper cables from somebody and I'm not able to jump the car. And before you judge me and saying like, well, maybe you were doing it wrong, Pastor Dave. Trust me, I watched plenty of YouTube videos and I had my wife correcting every wrong move that I was making as we were making this happen. So I had to then call AAA again to come out to my house to jump my car. And this guy, Jason, doesn't bring his charging kit, of course, because this is how this is going. And then he's able to get my car on his tow truck. And then 15 minutes later, as he's taking it to our mechanic, he calls my wife and he says, uh, 
I just want to inform you that I may have bottomed out and accidentally dropped your car and busted up the front end of your car. And so what turned out to be what we thought was an alternator, but was really just a battery, then turned into our undercarriage of our car got all busted up. And at that moment, Gretchen and I looked at each other and we just said, oh, of course. This is just one of those days. It's just comical, right? And And we're starting a new series where we're going to be looking at these words that Charles just read from Ephesians chapter 6, talking about putting on the armor of God. There is no doubt that in our world we are facing evil. There is division and all kinds of schemes of the devil that are happening and going on in our midst. And what Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter 6 is he says to be strong in the Lord that we should put on the whole armor of God as we go into the world, as we face the evils that are in front of us. But it raises the question, who's the enemy? I mean, I'm thinking about like in my situation with the car this last week, is, is the enemy Ford Fusion? Is it Jason from AAA and his horrible towing skills? Is it cold weather because we live in Chicago? Or or is the enemy Satan, the evil one? Look at Paul's words here in Ephesians chapter 6. He says this, verses 11 and 13. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What the Bible talks about in many different places is that evil is is deeply rooted in this world. That there is evil and and pain that is happening and going on all around us. And and it's deeper and more than just uh, car issues and problems, that there's spiritual forces at, at work. Now you might be saying, well, does that mean that we just like blame shift everything onto Satan? Like, look at Satan working again. Well, well, Paul here, he does this. He says in verse 12, he says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What Paul is trying to point out here is that there, there is a greater depth of evil in our world that's at work. But, but Paul is not just saying that it's only the spiritual force that's at work. That it's working in very real ways. Paul, when he is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, he is in prison. What, what he's saying is it's not only flesh and blood that we have these issues and problems with. It's deeper and and goes into the depth of what is created all around us. That evil participates above, behind, and beyond flesh and blood. And until we wrestle with this, we won't understand the depth of the battle that is going on every single day. 
I think for some of us, we have this philosophy that like for Satan to be real, it kind of looks like the movie, The Exorcism, right? Where like somebody's head is spinning and they're like throwing up and we're like, that's Satan at work right there. But, but I believe that, that Satan is working in some very real ways all around us. Things that we need to call out, whether that be psychological, whether that be physical and emotional and also spiritual. And what we see is that Christianity says that, that there is evil that is found in all of these aspects of our world. I mean, there is evil in racism. There is evil in political division and strife. If we saw that this week, it was very prominent. That there is evil at work all around us. Now here's the thing. The remedy that God brings us, the hope that comes, is, is not just a spiritual hope as well. See, if evil is as deep as that, so is the answer of hope that what, what Jesus provides. That it's not just a spiritual remedy, but it is a psychological, it is a physical, it is an emotional remedy that goes deep into who we are. I mean, personally, that's why for me, uh, it's something of great importance that I go to the gym and work out, that I watch some of the things that I eat, because I believe that, that part of the evil that works is that it can affect me physically, emotionally, and psychologically. I'm the first to admit, if we've ever had a deep conversation about something, that, that I go to counseling, and I pay somebody for an hour of their time every single month for me to just regurgitate all of the things that are going on in my life. Believe that this is a part of who we are to battle the, the evil that exists in this world. And it's not just in those things, but it's also in reading God's word every single day, praying to our God, and being reminded of the hope and the promises that he brings. See, what can happen inside of our culture is that when we look at evil, especially as an American society, we can fall on one of two ends of the spectrum that are unhealthy. On one side, we can underestimate the power of the evil one. And, and Paul in the scriptures would point out that, that we shouldn't underestimate that there is evil that is at work in this world. That it can be too easy for us to just say, well, that doesn't really exist, or that's just some made-up thing. But at the same, on the same, or maybe on the other side of this, we can, we can put too much power into the evil one. And we can overestimate the power that he has, because the reality is that Scripture also tells us to not be afraid, that you're not fighting empty-handed. You are given the armor of God. A great book, if you have not read it before, uh, is The Screwtape Letters by a man named C.S. Lewis. Phenomenal read. And uh, in the preface of the book, he says this. I think it's a really healthy tension that I want us to kind of lean into in this series. He says there's two equal and opposite errors into which us as people can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. 
The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. That we as, as human beings need to live inside of this tension that there is evil in this world that is working in deeper ways than we cannot see and that we ultimately find hope in our God. So what do we do? What does that mean? Well, as Paul says, that as we experience evil, we need to take up the armor of God. At the end of his letter to the Ephesians, he gives some very practical things. He says, I want you to take up this armor. Put this on. May this sink deep into your hearts. May you clothe yourselves with this. And by the way, the image that Paul is using here is one that would have been seen by the people during that time. The Roman military was a powerful force. And what made them powerful was the armor that they had. And so in this series, we're going to be going through all the different elements of the armor of God. And today, we're going to focus on the shield of faith. Now, before you get worried here, like, man, that was the intro to this series. We're going to be here till one o'clock. The bears start at noon. Are you kidding me? Oh, three. All right. We got time. All right. This is good. No, like, I just want to touch very quickly on the shield of faith and what this means. All right. So here we go. Looking here, what does is, what is the shield of faith mean? Well, uh, if you look in the scriptures and other places, this is what faith would be defined as. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Uh, other, in another spot, it says in Romans 1, 1.17, that for in it, being the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, this element of faith is, is key and paramount to our life of equipping ourselves as we combat the evil in this world. We have to have faith. And faith literally just means to trust, to believe to put hope or to trust in somebody besides ourselves. And what Paul is saying here is that I want you to take up the shield of faith. I, I love this image because Paul just gives us a beautiful piece of what it looks like as we deal with evil in this world. Uh, this is uh, kind of a replica. I mean, it's pretty close to what they would have had as a Roman uh, Roman military official would have had when they went into battle. I mean, when we think of a shield, it, it's not some small, tiny little shield, but this was a, a big shield that was used, especially as attacks of arrows would come at you. The purpose of it being shaped the way that it is, is that when the arrows would come, instead of having a flat shield that would absorb all of that pressure that would come from the arrows, the way that it's designed, it would be able to deflect off these arrows. This little ball in the middle here is called the boss. Sorry, I'm just like totally duding out here for a second, all right? That's definitely not a term. But, um, but it's, it's used to, that when the enemy would get close, you would be able to punch the enemy. Come here, Gretchen, let me show him. Okay, that was really bad. Oh my gosh. Sorry, babe. All right. Yeah, I'm going to repent for that one. All right. 
But it's, it's used for, to hold off the enemy, to, to withstand the arrows that are coming. And, and what's really interesting about this is that when Paul is talking about the shield of faith, the common assumption would be that no military official would ever go to battle on their own. I mean, if you've ever seen some of the movies, this has been well documented, that when the Roman army would go out into battle and they would hear that the arrows were coming, they would yell this phrase, testudo, testudo. And the Roman official would yell that phrase and what would happen is this, uh, this army, this legion of people, they would form what was known as a tortoise. That's what testudo means. And they would link their shields together so that when they would go out into battle, the person that was on the front row, they would get behind this shield. But they wouldn't, as you can see, one shield by itself cannot cover the whole person. Saying like, I got to get a little bit lower here, right? But instead, they would go collectively with a group of people and they would line their shields together. And then, as you can see in the second row, that the people in the second row would then place their shield on top of the first row so that if the arrow was coming straight at them or from above, they were able to be protected, held safe. And I hope you can see where this is going here. Because what Paul is saying is a very common piece that we need to understand and learn as we face the arrows of the evil one. What Paul is simply saying, he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Paul says, your faith is what shields you from this attack of the evil one. Certainly, something that we need individually, but something that we also are called to be collectively for one another. To be reminded of the faith, the shield that it provides. Now, faith in what? Faith in who? Well, of course, that answer is, is faith in Jesus the one who extinguished the brokenness of this world, that by his death and resurrection, he has defeated sin, death, and the devil. That because he rose from the dead, we too can experience that life that it brings. And it provides protection for us as the schemes of the evil one continue to come. So, so when your car is not working and Jason from AAA comes over and drops your car <laughs> and now you got to pay some extra bills and all this sorts of stuff, Instead of just flying off the handle, acknowledging that I see the evil that is at hand here and I take up the shield of faith. 
when we see very visible evidence of division in our world. I mean, unless you weren't watching the news this last week, it was a crazy week. That when we experience and see these things, we take up the shield of faith. And we look to our God. When you say something stupid in the sermon that you're going to have to repent of later because you may have said your wife was the enemy. (laughs) We take up the shield of faith because we look to our God, the one who promises grace and mercy, but the one who has conquered sin, death, and the devil. One last image uh, to close up here today. Um, There's this great quote that uh, by, by a guy named John Kleinig from a book called Grace Upon Grace. And, um, and he uses this image uh, that's just really helpful, I think, for us in this series and talking about where our strength comes from. Uh, what he says in it is um, that maturity in the eyes of the world is always found in greater independence. And when you think about independence, uh, like to be, uh, to be more mature, rather, means that you have more independence. You're able to do things on your own. So, um, you know, you're able to make your own meals or you're able to jump your own car. That's just a sign of maturity. That's how the world defines it. But, but what Kleinig says, and I really believe is really true and really challenging for us to understand sometimes in our world, is that faith is the opposite. That that greater maturity in our faith is not independence, but greater dependence upon our God. Amen? That to be more mature in our faith means that in all circumstances, whether it be emotional, whether it be psychological, whether it be physical, and whether it be spiritual, that we lean in and we take up the shield of faith, looking to our God as our source of strength in the midst of struggle. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the hope that you bring. I thank you for the strength that comes through the armor that you have, that you have given. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that God, with all of the brokenness that is very visible in our world, I pray, Lord, um, that we would find our strength in, in you, that that would not just be seen as something that's spiritual, but something that works out in, in every aspect of, of who we are as people. Because we know that, that you call us in, in, in the midst of pain and division and suffering to, to take up the armor that you have given so God, I pray for greater faith for us as, as a community. May we be people who not only take up that shield for ourselves, but we remind each other of the promises and the faith to trust in you in all circumstances. It's in Jesus' name, amen.